to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. God knows me. God knows me. Now, you may not know a lot of people, and a lot of people may not know you, but God does know you. And the scripture is Psalms 139 and verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my heart. You know me. Now this is speaking mainly in creation. This is as God is your creator. God created you. God knows you. Now the other verses down there in verse 14, 15, is talking about in your mother's womb how that God had formed you. God made you. God's the one that decided whether or not you were going to be male or female, what you were going to look like, the color of your hair and your eyes, the shape of your body. He fashioned that body. He set laws into motion. But this is a, a God of creation. God created us. God knows you. You didn't just happen. You're not an accident. You're specially designed by God. Now I want you to look there in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know that once you trust Christ as your Savior... You and I are born again, born into God's family. And once you become a child of God, it's great to be able to say, God is my Father. The Bible tells us in Galatians in chapter 4 that we are His children and we can call Him Abba, Father. That's a great thing to know. You see, moms fail us here and dads fail us. Brothers and sisters will let us down. That doesn't matter too much. You have a a new father. You're in a new family. And one of the greatest things to always remember in verse 19, where it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. The foundation of God is what we're standing upon. We're resting upon. This foundation that is so sure, so rock solid, is the knowledge of God. That God knows something and God can't forget something And God says and gives his word upon something, and he makes this statement, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. This is your new birth. The first one is you are known by God because God is your creator. Now God knows you as his child. It's great to say, I know the Lord, but it's greater that God knows us because you and I have a tendency to forget God. But God says he can never forget us. He fathered you. He fathered me. He is our father, our spiritual dad. Number two is God loves me. See, it's one thing for God to know you. It's another thing for God to love you. 
Because God can know something and not love something. We know people, but we don't have to necessarily love people. People may know you and not necessarily love you. God not only knows me, God loves me. Now, of course, you can turn to John 3.16 and quite a few verses on where God loves us. But I want you to look in Jeremiah 31. And notice what he says there in verse 3. Now, yes, he's talking mainly to the nation of Israel, but Israel is made up of people. And many times when it refers to Jacob, he's referring to the whole nation. Just like what's going on over in Israel. God loves his people. But the main reason that the Arab nations hate Israel is because Israel is God's chosen people. That's it. They're God's chosen people. And because they rejected their Messiah, God said they're going to be hated and persecuted all over the world. And they are. But now notice what he says here in verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Now if God loves you with an everlasting love, how long will his love last? This is a very difficult question. You're to know that God loves you. But see, God doesn't love you just when you're obedient. He loves you even when you're disobedient. I've talked to Christians that because they go astray at times, they think after all, God doesn't love them anymore. God never stops loving his children. God loves you. Always believe, even in the harshest of times, when everything seems to be down, no value to life, when everything's going against you, when you're totally filled with despair, God still loves you. But it's so easy to get to where you think nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody loves me, whether I live or I die. Boy, I've been there so many times. But you always have to keep in your mind, God knows me. God loves me. Now this is a very simple message, but it's deep at the same time. Because there's things that we as Christians seem to forget. Now, I want you to look at the last part of this verse, because the last part of this verse, how does God draw you? Christ says, if I be lifted up, I will what? Draw all men to myself. What does he draw with? Is it a rope? Is it with fear? It's with love. God says, I am going to draw you with my love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now, you and I, we should, yes, we should love the Lord because we, we have been loved. God loves us. How do you know God loves you? How do you know God loves you? Well, he doesn't love me because I asked for a pink Cadillac and I didn't get it. I know God doesn't love me because I asked him for a million dollars and I didn't get it. I played the lottery and I told him I'd give him 10% if I won and he didn't help me win. That proves God doesn't love me. Well, you know how God said that he would prove to you that he loved you? By him dying on the cross. Sending his son to die for you on the cross. That's how God said that he proved that he loved you. Because he did for you something you could not do for yourself. He did the greatest thing he could ever do. He gave his life. And this is what is mentioned in the book of 1 John. How that God is the propitiation for our sins. That he loved us. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And this is how he draws. Now let me mention this to you. You and I are supposed to, whether it's with our wife or with the husband or with the kids, we're supposed to draw them to us by our love for them. 
And you know the devil will take the love that you tried to give and show to somebody and the devil gets into a person's mind and can take every good deed that you do for somebody as an expression of your love and can turn it into hate. The very deed that's to prove that you love, the devil can cause them to think, that's just you just hate me. And people can say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. But that's because, see, something else is going on. There's a battle going on. But should you stop loving because somebody twists your love, puts a spin upon your goodness? And it can always happen. But you and I are supposed to love genuinely. As the Bible says, sincerely. Love one another. And we are to draw them to us because we love. And I believe that if us as a church would show people we really love them, we can draw them by our love. But if we act like we're superior, we're better, you're no good, that's not going to draw because it's with loving kindness. A lot of people are having a rough time. Be kind to people and draw them with love. You'll get so much better and more out of them. And even though your love may be rejected and your kindness is rejected, somebody else might receive it. So don't don't stop being loving and stop being kind just because somebody doesn't respond that way. Now, number three, the thing I want you to write down is God accepts me. God accepts me. Ephesians chapter 1. We often sing that song, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Just as I am. Not just as I ought to be, but let me tell you this. The very day, the moment you trust Christ as your Savior because God accepts you as His child because of what His Son did for you in satisfying God's wrath against the sin that you committed against Him. So God accepts you. And it says in verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, in this life, you're going to be rejected. There's people that will reject you. At work, you'll be rejected. Sometimes family people will reject you. But you're always going to go through this. It doesn't matter. You know in your heart, though all forsake me and all reject me, it doesn't matter because God accepts me because I'm in His Son. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You are accepted in Christ. That's a wonderful thing to remember because it's so easy to forget. And whenever we get down and discouraged, the Bible says, consider him, talking about Christ in Hebrews in chapter 12, how that he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, even the death of the cross. But he didn't quit. And God says, do not become faint and weary in your mind because it's so easy to do so. It's amazing what I've seen sometimes kids do trying to be accepted by their peers. They want to be recognized, looked up to. They want to be part of the group, a part of a gang, just so they can belong to something. There's nothing better than belonging to the Lord and being accepted by God. You see, your status in this world doesn't really matter too much. It's just where do you stand with God? Because sooner or later, see, this world will pass away. He says, my word will never pass away. And the day will come when we'll stand before the Lord. That's what counts. That's what matters. Keep that in mind.
The fourth thing I want you to write down, God will be with me. And look in Joshua chapter 1, the book of Joshua and chapter 1. Yes, God knows me. God loves me. God accepts me. And God will be with me. Now, you can go through life, and you don't always have everybody able to walk around holding your hand. Every one of us has to learn how to walk with God ourselves. Nobody can walk with God for you. You can't do it by proxy. Remember in the Great Commission where he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. Well, look there in verse 9. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee. You ought to underline that verse. Though in this world you can be with a thousand people and still feel alone. I used to go to one school up in Pennsylvania. There was 3,000 students in that school. There's times I didn't feel like I had a friend. Like I was totally alone. I wasn't alone, but I felt like I was alone. But with the Lord, see, you're never alone. God is always with you. That's why he should be the dearest friend that you have. You ought to love his word, talk to him, and let him talk to you all the time. Be the closest friendship or relationship that you've ever had. Nobody should be more precious to you than the Lord. Now, you can have a friend, but a friend can't do all the things for you that God can do. Write down the next statement. God will not fail me. God will not fail me. God makes many promises in his word. Let me ask you a question. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. Who does it belong to? God. Can God give this land to whoever he wants? Yes. And if God says, I want this piece of land here, that's going to be for Israel. Now, it doesn't matter whether anybody else likes it or don't like it. It doesn't matter about the United Nations. God has spoken. He says, this land belongs to you. I gave it to you. Now notice what it says in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. So God is reaffirming what he said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and now Joshua. He said, I promised. And God said, all that land belongs to you. If Israel had served the Lord and honored the Lord, Israel would be a kingdom today that's unmatched by any nation on earth. But they became disobedient and they lost it. Now look in verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon. What's that word? Lebanon. Have you heard of Lebanon in the news lately? That belongs to Israel too. But Israel forfeited Lebanon for the sake of peace. They even moved out of the Gaza Strip for the sake of peace. By them giving up this land for the sake of peace, did they get peace? No, they don't get peace. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so, and you ought to underline this statement, 
Because it goes with the other one that we mentioned a while ago in verse 9. I will be with thee. Now look what he says in the last part of this verse. I will not fail thee. Now look up here. God will not fail you. In your Christian life, God never fails. You see, he didn't answer my prayer. God failed. God can not fail. God does not fail. We may not do all that we can do. Shoulder the blame, take the fault, confess the sin, but never blame God. The Lord giveth, and the Lord what? Taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If God gives you, praise the Lord. If God takes it away, praise the Lord. Never get mad and upset and bitter at God. God cannot do wrong. God is perfect. God is righteous. Remember that. Because our serving the Lord is going to be in direct ratio to the caliber of our attitude that we have about God. And when you have a bad, sick attitude, feeling toward God because of what God did or God allowed or what God didn't do that you think He should have done, it's going to affect your service for the Lord. It will affect it. God will not fail. The sixth thing I want you to write down, God will answer me. God will answer me. And that's Psalms 138. Look at Psalms 138. And notice there in verse 3. In the day when I cried, thou answered me. When I cried. If God answered you, then He knew what produced the tears. He knew what you were going through. He knew how you hurt, how you felt. He knew the anguish of your soul. God answered. And get to what he says in the last part of this verse. And strengtheneth me with the strength, where? In my soul. You see, it's not always God answering and giving you the things that you think you need to get out of a jam. It's the strength of your character, the strength of your soul. You being strong enough to handle it. God does not have to do everything that I want Him to do for Him to be still Lord in my life. He doesn't have to please me in all areas because God is God. He is free to do whatever He wants to do with me and should be free to do with you. He will strengthen you. He doesn't mean He'll solve all of your problems but He'll give you the strength you need to bear the problems. Some things you want to escape from, like the temptations of the world, you want to escape from those. But there's other heartaches and so forth that God maybe wants you to go through, and therefore God won't deliver you from them, and He just wants to give you the strength to go through them. Keep it in mind. The next thing I want you to write down is, God will strengthen me. I just mentioned about strengthening my soul, but I want you to look in Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now remember, it's not talking in this verse about Christ strengthening me. I'm going to do the things through Christ which refers to those things. Otherwise it would have said... Through Christ, who strengtheneth me? It doesn't say who. It says which. 
I can do all things through the through Christ, which strengtheneth me, through the things that God allows into your life, are to make you a stronger person. You may get sick, but you can get spiritually stronger. You can lose money, but become spiritually stronger. You can lose friends, but become spiritually stronger. What do you think is the most important thing in your life? Is the strength that you have in the Lord. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, it talks about be strong in the power of His might. That's talking about spiritually. It's not talking about the physical body. It's talking about what God means to you. And God will use those things to make you strong. And that's why you can do all things because they strengthen you. The resistance in weightlifting is what builds your muscles. It's the resistance. So God will send you resistance in this life, but they can make you stronger. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. But isn't it easy to forget this when things happen? The next thing is God will provide for me. Number eight, God will provide for me. Where it says, my God shall supply all your need. It doesn't say all of your greed or all of your wants, but all of your need. Now God can very easily separate needs from greed and wants, desires. God knows what you need. God knows what I need. And our heart's prayer desire should be, Lord, meet my needs. Help me to lean upon you, to have the strength that I need to maintain the testimony that I ought to bear at all times. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever it is that I need is something that God has that he is rich in. And that's not necessarily talking about money. It's not talking about vehicles. It's not now, God can meet those needs. But the greatest need that you have is like Paul says, the things that I need is the strength to do the will of God. Will God give me the strength to have the right testimony at all times as long as you're living in this life? Because things are going to happen. Number nine, God will bless me. You should live under that umbrella. Believing that God got up out of bed this morning, if you want to believe he got out of bed, for the sole purpose of blessing me today. Why did God get up this morning? Because he's got it in for you, bud. And he's going to get you if it's the last thing he does. No. You and I are supposed to believe God wants to bless me. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe God wants you to be happy? There isn't anybody that wants you to be happier more than God. God's the one that designed this life. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. And look what he says in verse 8 of Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Yet ye robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. What's a tithe? A tenth. What's offering? Over that. How simple that is? In verse 9, ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. You robbed God. In other words, you didn't pay what you're supposed to pay. Did you know that God, when Christ was here, used money as the thermometer of a person's love? What you do to get it, save it, to spend it, invest it, everything it does with money reveals an awful lot about you. God says that. 
So if a man makes $100, he owes God 10 as offerings above that. If you don't do what God says do, then according to the word here, uh, you might be a little thief. And you want God to bless? He says, I have to curse you. I believe a lot of churches are under a curse because God's people don't tithe like they should. They don't give like they should. Because they don't trust God with the 90% that's left. They don't, God ain't going to meet my needs. God won't take care of me. God will fail me. No, God won't. But people are afraid. And so they hold back. And they think just giving to the Lord's work is just, you know, out of the abundance, whatever they want to, just give them a little tip here and there, just trying to keep God off their back. No, God says, you don't get it. You don't get it. You do what God says do. Then he says in verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, I'm not saying the church is a storehouse. I'm just saying this is a principle that God laid down in the Old Testament, and he never stopped that in the New Testament, but says that we ought to give out of that which God has given us. He said, and prove me. The word prove means test. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You want God's blessings upon you? You should live every day, I want the blessings of God. Does the love of God for you and His desire to bless you, does it do anything to that little tingling in your heart that says, I want to serve a God like that? He knows me, and He loves me, and He accepts me, and He'll never cast me out. He'll never lose me. He'll never fail me. He will answer me. God will do all these wonderful things for you. Why not serve a God like that? The last thing I want you to look at is Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Number 10, God will give me rest. We all need a little rest. I'm not talking about rest of body. I'm talking about rest of soul. Because the strength that we need is for the soul. For you, that's, that's you. And you need to have the peace of God. He says in verse 28, now we often use these verses talking about a, a lost man and the heavy weight and the guilt of sin. But he says in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find what? Rest unto your soul. Your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you believe that? What should you and I do when the rest of the world is falling apart? We should have rest in our soul because we're God's people. God won't fail us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. doesn't matter what happens in the Middle East or what happens in America. I'm God's child. He knows me. He'll take care of me. He'll provide for me. He'll never let me down. God's a wonderful God. You and I are to have peace in our soul because we have trust in the Lord. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God says he loves us, but he hates our sin. And for you and I to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Let this hand represent Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So what Christ did is he took our sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I will believe that he did that for us, he'd put that payment to our account, we'd get to go to heaven on what he did for us. Best news in all the world. No tricks to it. No gimmicks. God does love us. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, right now, just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sin. And I will trust Him as my Savior. 
If you've never done it before, do it now. And if you will, would you just let me know by an uplifted hand? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? Now, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. Seek to remember these things. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here. And Father, upon this message that it would help each individual to love you and to walk with you. We ask your blessings upon them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.